Can you hear me now? Good. Would you turn me up just a little bit? My voice is a little hoarse. It's a little pony. Yeah, uh, as he was finishing, I was, just, I, was, I was like, I could just hand you the Bible and I can walk away because I'm, I'm good to listen to you finish that message at some point, you know. It's a word we need to hear. Um, it's a word we need. We really, really need. Uh, I'm going to be praying that God brought this word too. We're in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be in verses 11 through 12. Uh, you know me, I'm a little bit different as far as pastors go. I like to stick in a spot in the Bible. Um, and just kind of dwell there. Uh, recently this week, I got to go on a, on a plane trip, and we, were, uh, we took a very large plane, and a very large plane takes a what? A very large runway, right? And so we've got a long runway into the message today because I don't want to take things for granted as I look through the scriptures and as I talk to you guys. In my home church, we've been going through the book of Hebrews. We're spending the, a year on Hebrews, and we're almost done. Right, and they're all excited them. Uh, but we are almost done, and it's been it's been really good. And in the book of Hebrews, chapter eleven is probably my favorite chapter, and that's called the Hall of Faith. And you get to see faith in action. You get to see what faith does. You get to see people living by faith. And in chapter eleven, you hear all these wonderful names. One of the names we hear a lot is Abraham. You know who Abraham is? Abraham, father Abraham had many sons. Okay, some of you grew up in church. Cool. Uh, I learned that on Veggie Tales or something. I didn't grow up in this church. I was like, I put those together. Um, Father Abraham. Abraham was called by God. We'll talk about that in a minute. And, and he came out of a place that worshipped multiple gods. And here's the one true God of the universe that comes to him and says, no, I'm the only God. Follow me in front of everybody and go to this promised land. And he had a wife. Do you remember his wife's name? Sarah, Sarai, Sarah. Right, and, and she went along with him. And we're going to be looking at this. Sarah undergoes somewhat of a similar, she goes this, this transformation in her faith. But in our text today, I'm really convicted because when I look at Sarah, I see me, right? And I see you probably. Because Sarah's faith is a little bit different than some other people. Like Sarah was sort of brought to church, as it were, by her husband. But her faith was in her husband and not on God. You feel me? Right. And so some of you have experienced that. You came, you got a drug addiction, right? You were drugged by someone to church. We say that before, right? That's, that's fair and misfits. That's fair and misfits. Okay, I'm just throwing that out there. Um, or maybe you came because grandmama told you to come. And you had this feeling like, I, I trust grandmama. I don't know her God, but I trust my grandma. And that's, that was me right there. I, I trust my grandma. And, uh, you know, she was, she, was, she was an amazing woman. But that wasn't your God. That was theirs. And you might have even enjoyed it when you came to church. Like, hey, the music was jiving. It was, it was, it was all right. I like that. Hey, y'all, you know what? They got free child care back there, right? We can pu push your kids back there. That's, uh, that's whenever I came to faith in, in Jesus, it was because my mom threw me in VBS. She dropped me off and she drew away, drove away so fast. And then I met Jesus at VBS, you know? Um, free daycare. Hey, we got coffee. We got a cool new corner over here. No one's using it. I don't know what that's about. But, you know, it exists. It's not done yet. Neither am I. So here we go. But if you're like Sarah, at some point you fell in love with God. And my conviction for Sarah is that she left her home. She went to a land of promise. She, she did all these things following her husband with faith in her husband and, and faith in him. But at some point, I hope you're like Sarah, where your faith becomes your own. 
And you stop putting your faith on your husband, you stop putting your faith on your grandmama, you start putting your faith on your auntie, you start putting your faith on these different people, and you put your faith in the God of the universe. And there is a spot, I believe, where that's exactly what Sarah does. That's exactly what Sarah does. Our message is entitled, When Sarah's Faith Became Her Own. Here's the main idea. This is how it works. I give a main idea and then we blow it up. Main idea. When you own your faith, that's when it becomes yours. When you own it. When you own it. When you own your faith, that's when it becomes yours. You say, Brandon, that's pretty elementary. But you know what? We need to all go back to elementary sometimes. We need to all go back. When you own your faith, that's when it becomes yours. When I was writing this message, my original, my original main point was Brandon speak, and I didn't think anybody would understand it. And I wrote, your faith is not your faith until it is your faith. That's it, right? And we're going to be examining Sarah today. So you know how we roll. Would you, pay, would you pray for your pastor, and then I'll pray for us, and then we're going to jump into the Word of God. God, we need you tonight. God, maybe there's somebody here that they haven't made, the, they haven't put faith in you. They've been believing in other things and they're really confused. They think that they got faith and they really don't. God, I pray tonight that we would come face to face with the living God. Not a dead God that sits on a cross, but the living God who rose from the grave, who has the power to speak into our lives, who has the power to, to free us from our bondage and free us from our sin, who has the power and the ability and the do so to call us his own children, to adopt us into the family of God. Lord, help us to feel and to see those things tonight. And we lift this up and we praise you in your name. We love you, God. Amen. I like to read the verse twice. Uh, I want to read it to you real quick before we jump in, just so you can feel uh, what's going on. Here's Hebrews chapter 11, 11 through 12. It says, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him, God, faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Don't you love that? I love that. Some years ago, whenever I was still living uh, with my folks, with my mom, I got a call in the middle of the night. And in the middle of the night, I found out that my mama was in a car wreck. And she had been backed in by a truck. She was driving a little bitty car, and a truck ran into her. And I'm going to be very honest with you. I broke the speed limit that night, and I got there, right? Y'all probably would do the same. I got there as quick as I could. She was okay, but the situation was really confusing as we kind of dived into what was going on. Because the driver of the truck, he said, he said it was my fault. It was my fault. And we're kind of looking at that. And uh, thinking, okay, well, that's good. But there was a big problem with all of this. The driver of the truck didn't have any insurance. He was also driving a truck that wasn't in his name. He had bought it a long time ago, but he never moved it over. There was no proof that he had bought that truck from anyone. Here's some lawyer advice for you. I found it. When you independently sell a vehicle, you're at risk if the person who purchased it keeps the car in your name. If they get into an accident and the vehicle is still titled and registered in your name, you can be responsible for the damages. So you better have a bill of sale. You better have proof. And the man who sold the truck didn't. And guess who paid for all the damages? 
the man who sold the truck. Because the, the driver, because the driver didn't, uh, hadn't claimed the property as his own, he wasn't considered liable for the outcome. You see where I'm going? When we view Sarah and Abraham, we see faith throughout the life of Abraham. We see all this faith in the life of Abraham. We see him following God. We see him being a knucklehead too. I'll talk about that a little bit because you need to throw in some bad with the good. We, we see all this stuff, but we see a lot of faith. And then, and then we see Sarah, and we just see her along for the ride. She wasn't claiming it as her own. We just see her going along with what, with what is happening. Maybe you don't know the story yet, though, so I, I want to go back. We're still a long runway, okay? We're still on the, we're halfway through the runway, y'all. You can feel the engines throttle. We're almost getting into the air. Stick with me. Abraham's faith had been on display. He had been responsible for trusting God. And God told Abraham to go to a new land of promise. You've got to sit back and you've got to think about that for a minute. This guy has everything that he's ever wanted. He's, he's, he's in a people. He's got his family all around him. He's worshiping multiple gods and things. And, but things look really good on the outside. But when the true God of the universe shows up, you say, yes, sir. Right? And God says, go. He says, go. And there's some hiccups along the way that happens. But God says, go. In fact, God says, you don't have any kids. I can see that. Your wife is barren. I'm going to give you kids. And all throughout the Old Testament, God continues to go back to Abraham and tell him he's going to have kids. But he doesn't tell that to Sarah. Catch that. Someone was talking about that just a minute ago. <laughs> he goes to the man and he tells the man this word, this word of faith. And it doesn't seem to trans, it doesn't make it. There's something that drops right there because of Abraham and whatever is going on with all that. And Sarah, she continues to have faith though. She's a good wife. In fact, she trusts him. I said knuckleheaded situation. Let's hit one real quick. Genesis 12. That's where Abraham asked Sarah to bend the truth a little bit. You remember that one? They're traveling along and they go through, uh, I believe it was Egypt. And, and, and here, is, uh, uh, here is Abraham looking at his wife and she's beautiful. She's beautiful. He's looking at her and he's thinking, man, you know what? If, uh, mm, if, if someone sees you and they want you, they may take my life to get you. And so he asks her to bend the truth. Here's what the verse says. This is Genesis 12. You don't have to turn there. Just stay in the anchor. I'll read these to you. Actually, I'll put it up there for you because I love you. Now, there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he says to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. And when the Egyptians see you, they're going to say, this is his wife? I say it like that. That's how I read it, you know. Then they will kill me. But they will let you live. So just say that you're my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Abraham believed he had a better chance of surviving if the Egyptians thought he was the caretaker for a beautiful sister. Okay, so he struggled with faith sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. And did that go well? No. Here comes the king and he's ready to take Sarah as his wife and then God intervenes. It's so interesting that when man chooses not to be man, God has to intervene to make the family work. And God intervenes and God shows up and it's this really interesting spot where the Pharaoh's like, what are you doing? Why did you do this? And something comes of this. He sends them away. He sends them away with extra money, but he also sends them away with someone named Hagar. And she's going to show up later on. It's almost like we can choose our actions, but not the repercussions for our actions. You know what I mean? 
To follow through with her husband's schemes, though, we're focusing on Sarah. Sarah must have had incredible faith. I mean, you've got a picture whenever she's in this group of girls, you know, and, 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 and it's the possibility of her sleeping with the pharaohs coming up. She's thinking, okay, my husband's going to come through. I sure, you, know, I, you know, she's got to have some incredible faith in this man. But it was her husband that had experienced God. In Genesis 12, God tells Abram that he will be a father. Twice, he tells him. In Genesis 12 and Genesis 15, 6, God repeats this promise. Here's the promise. I'm going to put it up there for you. It says, he took Abram, Abram aside, outside and he said, Abraham, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. That's not a knock towards his intelligence. It's just really hard. There's a lot of stars out there, right? right? Then he said to Abraham, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord and God credited it to him as righteousness as righteousness it's a beautiful picture but where is sarah god had promised abraham children three times that we know of so far and sarah wasn't there at any time it's almost like abraham had a responsibility to 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 lead his wife faithfully i didn't know this was going to tie so much into what you were saying but you know it's there it's really there God had seemingly only spoken to Abraham about children. And we really need to imagine what that would have been like. There's a man in his 80s, and he goes to his wife, who is also advanced and never had kids, and assuming that she's, she's barren. And although we're reminded she is beautiful, she's still older, right? And the husband tells his wife, God has visited me. And listen, God told me I'm going to have children as numerous as the stars. That's the word I hear. God told me I'm going to have children. His name was, because remember, the promise was given to him. It didn't say anything about Sarah when we were reading that. And then at a later time, the husband comes back from a victory. It happens again, and there's a victory with, with a war type deal. And he comes back, and he tells her again, you know what, God visited me after this victory, and he said, I'm going to have children like, like, like uh, as numerous as the stars, great amounts of descendants. And again, this was only promised to Abraham. And you start to pick, like, picture this picture. This is, a, this is their marriage, and she's loving her husband. But there's a miscommunication there. A miscommunication. As we study the growth of Sarah's faith, I think Sarah felt left out of the equation probably a lot. Don't you? You ever been like there before? You got a sister, you got a brother, you got a mommy and a daddy or someone and they have such faith in God and you're like, I am struggling. Like, I just, I wish I was like you, but I don't get it. I'm not there. I want to be there, but I just don't have it within me. It's just, it's not connecting. Something's not there. And this is, this is what's happening with Sarah. In fact, it becomes really interesting because she had all this baggage connected to having a baby. This is the promise that God has told my husband. How do I make this happen? And then we remember Hagar. Then we remember Hagar. This is Genesis 16. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. And we we're assuming that, that this, this slave came from the Pharaoh during that, that bad choice of, of her husband. And so she says to Abram, who would later be named Abraham, The Lord has kept me from having children. Uh, go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Ouch. All that baggage from this person who just doesn't know how to love God because her idol is her husband. And, and he's not showing her how to love God because 
his idol is himself. And, and you got all this stuff going on. And you got, I think of, I even think of Abraham, because Abraham, maybe he's just a man. Because she says, we go sleep. He said, okay, man, yeah, I'm, do, I'm good with that. Let's go do that right now, right? Let's go make that happen. With her, okay. Let's go make that happen. Then in Genesis 17, 4 through 8, God shows up a fourth time to Abraham. Alone, again. He's alone, again. Long runway, we're about to take off. Stay with me. Genesis 17, 15 through 18. Uh, I want to go there. Here's what it says. God also said to Abraham. God had just showed up to Abraham, and he includes this little part in this, little, this area. As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. And God finally says, Listen, I'm going to bless her and surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. And Abraham falls face down and he laughed. And he said to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And he finds the situation comical. Really, God? Really, God? But at least this time, God does include Sarah, who was always assumed in the beginning, but never made it through the equation somehow. All right, you guys ready to take off? Let's do it. Main idea, when you own your faith, it becomes yours. So we have to do some sleuthing to study Sarah's faith. Because the Sarah that I read about in Hebrews, who had such faith that she believed in God and a child to come, it's, that seems way different than the lady that's following her husband around and trusting in his faith. That there's something that occurs. We want to study that. We want to think about that. Let's look at the Word of God. Let's get in the air. Hebrews 11, 11. Here's what it says. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful, God, who had promised. She received power to conceive. I love those words. The author of Hebrews expects his audience to know all about Sarah. That's why I had to go back and give you that information. He says that Sarah became a very faithful woman and God told her that she would have a baby and she has great faith, we're told in Hebrews. Her faith was not in her own ability. Her faith was never in her own ability. If you look at her whole story, whether she's putting it on her husband or giving it to Hagar, her faith was never in her own ability. She didn't believe that she had anything to offer. And Sarah, so she comes before God with this humility, and it says God gave her power. Here, here's a point that I want you to realize. For faith to become yours, you must rely on the ability of God alone. I know a whole bunch of people who are trying to make faith happen on their own. What are the major religions that are growing right now? Islam, Jehovah's Witnesses, Latter-day Saints, Mormons. Those are the ones growing. Why? Because they make their faith their own. They, they, like they, 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 their faith is their actions, as good as they can be. They try to be the best they can be because God is going to measure them against something. They don't know what it looks like, right? All of, most of the religions throughout history, even, even the Egyptian religions, they would, they would measure your actions in life uh, and, and look at you and see if you were good enough. There was a feather involved. I don't want to go into that. You guys are crazy. Uh, but lots of stuff like that. For faith to become yours, you must rely on God alone. Sarah had tried to have a baby. Man, she tried. She'd even given her servant as a wife to Abraham to, to create this family. Man, she tried. Sarah was resting on her own 
abilities, trying and trying, and, and, and she, she, got, you know, she got to the point she knew she could never do that. Until one event comes to a head when she meets God and she sees His power. I want to collect, connect some dots for you. This is Genesis 18. We're told that God appears to Abraham and Sarah is finally there. She's not right there, but she is there. She is in the picture in Genesis 18. And what happens is some visitors come to visit Abraham, and, and it's God. Like God shows up, and Abraham sort of realizes what's going on. And this is what the text says in Genesis 18, 9 through 15. These men come, and they talk to him, and they say to Abraham, Where's your wife, Sarah? Where's your wife? They asked him. We well, said, They're in the tent, Abraham said. Then one of them said, you know what? I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent. I told you she was there, which was behind them. And Abraham and Sarah were already very old. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. Verse 12. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? The word this pleasure has sexual undertones. I don't know if you know that. And so she's like, God, this thing, my body don't work like it used to. Seriously? Right? So there's this like sarcasm built into sexual undertones there. I love that. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything, listen, is anything too hard for the Lord? I will, I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid and so she lied. She said, I, I didn't laugh. But he said, yeah, you did laugh. How do we view that event? Like, I want to give you a, a point of view on this event to show the love of God in the whole event and what happened. Because what does God say? God says, where is Sarah? He's sitting there talking to Abraham. He's talking about some things. And he says, where is Sarah? And he knows that Sarah's there. He knows where Sarah is. He knows that Sarah can hear him. Where is Sarah? We hear that a few times in the Bible. One's with Adam and Eve. Do you remember that? Adam and Eve, I'm not going to read it. You can read it on your own. It's Genesis 3. 8 through 9, and, and, and they've, they've sinned against God. And, and uh, after they sin, they realize their sin. They realize that they're naked, and, and they cover themselves, and they go hide. And here comes God who had walked alongside them. And what does he say? He says, you know, where are you at, Adam? Well, he knows they're not playing hide-and-go-seek, right? God would be very good at that, wouldn't he, right? Uh, you know, that's the equivalent. You ever play hide-and-go-seek with a kid, and you know they're hiding behind the curtains, and so you look around your house for about 10 minutes. Then you sit down and play on your phone for another 10 minutes, and then you go find them. Is that just me? That's mean. Uh, you need your alone time. Make it happen however you have to. This is, how, this, is, this is what it would be like, right? So God knows exactly where Adam and Eve are. So God is asking something far deeper than, hey, where are you at? physically where are you at physically he's, he's asking them something that's that's deeply emotional and it's deeply spiritual he's saying where are you at right now emotionally spiritually with what you've done against me where are you at with where are we at where's your relationship with me adam 
Where's your relationship with, with me, Eve? Where are you right now? When they showed a lack of faith in God, the Lord asks this question. And his question, like I said, is to hit the deepest part of them. And I think that's the same question God was asking Sarah. Here's Sarah sitting back in the tent. She's never amounted to what, what, she, what she expected to be. Her faith has been on her husband. And here comes God. And he's like, where's Sarah at? Where's Sarah at? And it's interesting who he asks. Who does he ask? He asks Abraham. It's like Abraham should know where she's been at spiritually for a long time. Abraham should know where she's been at emotionally for a long time. Abraham, where's she at? You should know this answer, Abraham. Hey, hey, where is she at? How are you spiritually, Sarah? And the answer is not good. Not good. Here's a point. A faith based on anything but God. It won't sustain you guys. If you have your faith based on yourself or your faith based on your husband or your faith based on Meemaw, it will not sustain you. A faith based on anything but God will not sustain you. I'm tired of seeing people fall apart because their faith was never on God in the first place. It's like the guy who went and did some evangelistic dating. That does not work, right? It's, it's, some of you have good stories, I'm sure, but I, I just hear bad stories over and over again where, where someone falls in love with you and therefore, therefore they, they accept your God and they fall in love. But eventually that falls apart because your God is not their God. Sarah's faith is on her husband and it was tired out. She was done. And when you put faith in your work or even your hobby to fulfill that gaping hole inside yourself that only God can fill you will be let down over and over and over again. I speak with people from time to time that tell me their Christian walk has been flat and empty. And this makes me wonder if... I'm going to be, I'm just going to be clear right now. This makes me wonder if God really was ever their Lord. I'm thinking of someone in my head who has told me that they've never... They've never had an exciting spot, time with God. They've never felt God's leading, that they believe in God and they follow God, but they've never felt God move in their life. They've never felt a renewal. And I just want to go, you don't know God. <laughs> you guys hear me say, it's kind of like my mantra in life. I'm just a kid from the trailer park who fell in love with Jesus, right? And if God can do amazing things in me, he's going to do amazing things in you and everyone, period. And he can and he will. And God gives us new life. How do you not feel new life? How do you not feel new life? Was there ever a dead man, a corpse sitting on a table that came back to life? Someone said, how do you feel? Same. No, that's not how it works. I'm alive, right? I'm alive. How do you not feel that? A faith based on anything but God, it cannot sustain you. And what I find time and time again is that people are putting their faith in other things. Some years ago, we had a vacation Bible school. And I was at this church, and we were at this vacation Bible school, and uh, we had an uh, altar call. We were, in, we were offering you know, the kids to be able to come and accept Jesus as their Savior. And we had this really cool thing happen uh, whenever it was being explained. You know, the, the, the leader was saying something to the effect of, do you know you're a sinner? Do you know that, that, that God died for you? 
Have you ever made him the Lord of your life? That's very different, by the way, than just knowing those things. Have you ever made him Lord, saying, I'm going to follow you. You are everything to me. You are all I will ever need. You are my God, my Savior. Have you ever confessed that? And as, he was, as, the, as the leader was doing that, uh, he asked, does anybody want to pray and receive Jesus? And someone raised their hand in the back corner. And we looked back, and we all got really excited because one of the leaders who had been leading VBS all week gets up because she realized that Jesus was never her Savior. She had never put faith in Him. And she comes forward to accept Jesus. That's cool. I get excited about stuff like that. Come on, right. I get excited about things like that. We don't know who's in our midst. And maybe it's you, and you've never put your faith in Jesus. A faith based on anything but God will not sustain you. Sarah, where are you emotionally, spiritually, relationally to God? And God told Sarah, next year at this time, you're going to have a baby. Sarah does what? She laughs. She laughs. She laughs at the face of God. Now, earlier you may remember that Abraham laughed, and I think his laugh was a different-hearted type of laugh than hers was by this time. Her laugh is just a little bit different. Just a little bit different. She, she laughs. That laugh had been studied, has been studied from all kinds of angles. She laughs because who is this man? Who is this God that would make a child in me? She didn't know the power of God. And the text says this. She says, well, I have this pleasure. And I told you what that meant. Well, I have this pleasure. You, you not even know my body don't work no more? You don't even know we don't even do that? We don't do that no more. We're just trying to put covers on us and keep warm. That's what life has become for us, you know? We don't do that no more. And she's thinking about all these different things. And by the way, there was no little blue pill back then. I just want to throw that out there just so you remember, just so you know. They didn't have, they didn't have that. Some of you were like, well, you know. You yeah, know. So God turns to Abraham in Genesis 18, 13, and he says to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? He asks Abraham where Sarah is, but he also asks Abraham, why did she laugh at me? Why did she laugh at me? Catch this, church. Why did she laugh? Notice he doesn't turn to Sarah first. This isn't aside the point, but it is something I want you to think about. Here's a little point for you. Put, we have to put God on display in our lives in such a way that other people don't make us their idols. We have to put God, think about that, we have to put God on display in our life in such a way that when people look at us, they don't make us their idol. You don't need to be like Brandon. You don't, why would you want to do that, right? You, you don't need to be like, you need to be like, you want to serve God. You don't want to serve uh, Randy. You, some of you are like, yeah, that is true. We already knew that. No, you, you want to serve God. Don't make yourself an idol, mama. Don't make yourself an idol, Papa. And some of you know that you, that, that you have seen that because some of you have looked at your own parents or your own grandparents and they were idols. They were the, the saints of old. They were the best saints. But, but we, we need to worship Jesus. That was all free. It wasn't part of the, the cost of admission tonight. 
we have a responsibility to teach our faith to others. We, we do this through so many different ways. Testimony and, and just telling people what God is doing and, and what God is able to do and what God has done. Make it about God. So many times I actually, I actually hear messages from the pulpit and they're all about us when they really should be about God. And the times we come up is whenever we come up because we matter to God. You know what I mean? There's so much of, of that in our culture, but that's a different sermon. Here's the point. Abraham, he missed the mark. He was not leading his wife like he should have. And God is like, Abraham, you've experienced my glory and you've experienced my power and does your wife still sit there and not believe Where is she at? Why is she laughing at me, Abraham? Does she not trust me? And this was a word for Abraham to hear, and he needed to hear it. And some of us need to hear that word today, too. Back to our verse, Hebrews 11, 11. Let's read that again. Get back in it. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. She considered God faithful. Okay, we got some... When did this happen? There's this stark difference in the woman in Hebrews 11 and the woman who's laughing in bitterness in the tent because of her circumstance. And the Sarah that that we see in Hebrews, she she just completely seems so different. Here's what we know. We know at some point, Sarah put her faith in God. We know that it happened at some point. It could have been many different areas. Was it... Whenever she, uh, well, the, the, the people who came and told her, they also said they were going to go to Sodom and Gomorrah and it was going to be destroyed. And then she got to see that from afar. Is that when it happened? I don't know. Was it whenever she had a baby and she was pregnant? She was like, okay, this seems serious now, right? I don't, I don't know. I don't know whenever the, this exactly happened. It could happen by any, any time. But here's what I see in all of this. They don't even give us a, a, a specific spot. Here's a point to, to own. Listen, owning your faith Owning your faith is a process, okay? It really is. Owning your faith is a process. We are always looking for that moment, that moment. But really, owning your faith, that takes time, right? Very few of you accepted Jesus as your Savior, and all of a sudden you got up with Billy Graham and began preaching with him. That's, that's not, that, well, he's also dead, so that would be really weird. But anyway, I digress. Rabbit, squirrel as, as, as would be up there for Randy, right? Very few of us have had that. Really owning our faith, that's this process. We call it sanctification and some other big expensive words. But all it means is that I'm spending God uh, time with God and over time I see God working. I put my trust that I'm able to put into Him and He shows me that He's working and so I put more trust into Him and He shows that He's working and I'm not going to jump off this stage like you're wondering, but we have faith and we own our faith in God. It's a process. It takes time. Give yourself a break. Can you struggle with what's happening in the world and still be in that process? Yeah, I hope you are. (laughs) Can you have conflict in your own soul and still be in that process of owning your faith and growing into that? Yeah, absolutely. Can you be looking at your marriage as this man was that we were talking about and be going, God, I don't understand what you're doing and I hate this and I just want to be selfish for a little while. Can you do that and still be? You can be because it's not what you feel. It's not what you think. It's what you do with it. And the further along in the process that you get of owning your own faith, it's whenever you learn not to act on what you feel and what you think, right? And we see that here. 
We see that here. People have told me in shame that their faith is wavering. Here's the deal. Here's another one of my mantras. God will meet you where you're at, but He doesn't want you to stay there. God will meet you where you're at, but He doesn't want you to stay there. And God doesn't want to come find you where you shouldn't be at. Even though God knows the outcomes, we, we don't. In owning our faith, it's a process. It reminds me of a, reminds me of a story I want to tell you. I, I'm almost about to land this plane, so stick with me. Um, I'm not a very good pilot. I apologize, but we'll get down. <laughs> there, was, uh, there was three churches like, that were on a street together, and there was this argument on who had the more fa- most faith, whose faith was most processed. Like, who had the most faith? And there was a Catholic church, and there was a Baptist church, and a Jewish synagogue, and they were all there. And they all had this problem. They were getting ran over by squirrels. Like, squirrels were all over the place. Well, the father, the pastor, and the rabbi, they finally meet, and they want to talk about this. And, and as, as, what, as happens... An argument broke out, and they decided, well, you know what, your faith isn't as strong. No, your faith is not strong. And so they began to argue, and they all said, well, you know what, we'll pray to God in, in the strength of our faith, and we'll do our own thing in the strength of our faith. And, and whoever really is closest to God that has the stronger faith, the squirrels will go away. Well, the Catholic priest approached a bunch of the squirrels during Mass, and he prayed to God, and he blessed them, with, and he sprinkled them with holy water, and the squirrels loved it. They took a little drinky drink, and more squirrels moved in. And the Baptist, he filled up his baptistry. He prayed for the squirrels. He grabbed one of those suckers and he baptized him. But the squirrels actually loved it and they began to jump into the baptistry. They had a little pool party. More squirrels moved in. And some time passed and the Catholic priest and the Baptist preacher, they caught wind that the rabbi, he had got rid of all, rid of all the squirrels. And so they went over to congratulate him on his immense faith. And while they were there, they, they told him the stories. They said, you know, the Catholic priest, I, I prayed over them, I, I sprinkled them, and they moved on in. The Baptist said, man, I prayed over them, and I baptized one of them, and they multiplied. Well, what's different about your faith, Rabbi? And the Rabbi said, well, I don't know. I converted the first one, I circumcised them, and they all ran off. That's a long joke, but it's funny. <laughs> Faith has its moments of growth and it's not always what it looks like on the outside for what's going on on the inside. Faith has its moments. Owning your faith is a process. Hebrews eleven twelve. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Do you remember whenever that promise was made to Abraham? that promise that God made to him and, and he told him even about his wife like you're going to have descendants like the sky like the stars and what we see again is that God did fulfill his promise when we look today we know that God fulfilled his promise didn't he we see the Jewish people we see we we say father Abraham too we're an extension of that work grafted in and and we we need to think about that sometimes But think about the difference in in all of this. Sarah wanted one child, and God gave her descendants more than the stars. She wanted just one child, and she had given up. But that child that God actually gave her, gave her become 
the descendants of who our Savior comes from. She wanted one child, but the family line would eventually lead to Jesus, the Savior of the world. It's incredible. Here's the last point here. When it comes to faith and promises, listen, no one outdoes God. When it comes to faith and promise, like, like no one outdoes God. And we see this in the life of Sarah. We see it as, as eventually she, she, she makes faith her own. As eventually she trusts in the God. And we see that in, in Hebrews 11. She makes the faith her own. When God becomes personal, faith becomes personal. Whenever you choose to own your faith, that's whenever it becomes yours. Before I leave, I just want to make this open. Like, If there's anybody here and you haven't put your faith in Jesus, why not? Why not? I've heard people say, because I don't want to get in front of nobody, Jesus died on a cross for you. Get over it. I've heard people say, because I, because I get a little embarrassed. Jesus hung up there naked. Make it right tonight. Make it right tonight. Because I know there's a lot of people, and you know you're a sinner, and you know you need Jesus, but you haven't done it, and you're not promised tomorrow. Hey, I want to throw up a prayer request as I finish this. Um, didn't know this was coming up, but it's going to come up. Uh, my, 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 uh, my stepdad of 20-something years, he's, uh, he's on a machine right now in a hospital with COVID in a coma. Early 50s. He's a little bit younger than my mama. Uh, we're not promised tomorrow. And what my mom has told me, I was asking her, how are you doing? She said, well, I'm crying myself to sleep every night, wishing I had one more hour, one more day. Wishing that I could hear his voice. We are not promised tomorrow, so make it right today. Have faith like Sarah. Maybe it takes time, but you've got to make it your own. You've got to own it. Let's pray. Uh, God, we come before you, and we thank you for who you are. God, I just love you. That's the only thing special about me, God. I just love you. And then you choose to use me however you want to use me. I'm, I'm, I'm good at, at not saying no. Maybe that's another thing about me. But God, you use each one of us. Lord, I pray for the people in this room because this is the next generation. This is, this is the future of Christianity. We are the people of God. And you will be back soon. And God, we want to lead as many people to you as possible before that because we want to party in paradise together. We want to be with the brothers and sisters of, Jesus, of our Lord. We want to, want to be among you, Father. God, just help us. Help us to be more brave. Help us to have a burden for people. And God, if there's anyone here like Sarah today, help them have bravery. Help them to know that you are God and you have died for our sins. And the Bible says if we confess with our mouth that you died, that you rose again, we make you the Lord of our lives, we will be saved. I just lift that up, God. I just lift that up before you. We love you. We praise you in the name of Jesus, our Savior, tonight. Amen. Thanks, guys.